0: Hey
1: Siri, what is a
0: chatbot? A chatbot is a computer program or an artificial intelligence which conducts a conversation via auditory or textual methods. Would you like to hear more? What did she say? Such programs are often designed to convincingly simulate how a human would behave as a conversational partner and they're bypassing the Turing test. Chatbits are typically used in dialogue systems for various practical purposes, including customer service. Hey, this is Tina. This is Mia. And you're listening to Yeah no, the podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. So this is kind of a mind-warping episode because we were talking to Siri on your phone you know Siri Apple iPhone I'm following assistant continue <laughs> following. and we're going to talk to Siri who's our friend who works at IBM yeah Watson so when we when we first say hello to Siri
1: we have to say Hello, Siri. Otherwise, my phone will turn on. How do you normally say it? Hey, Siri. It's going to be totally confusing. I know.
0: This is, I think, very appropriate for today's episode. We're
1: talking about AI today, and we're specifically talking about AI in healthcare.
0: Yep. Everyone loves AI.
1: I think the industry is starting to try to figure out how they can use different aspects of AI and where in healthcare. And I think that we can talk a little bit today about where we see it. Right. And we could talk about where we see it going. Into a deep, dark, scary place. It's a little (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) A little uncomfortable. But I think that we just felt like it was probably high time that we talk about it, right?
0: Right. And we have a guest coming on the show. The name is Siri betz sonstegard and she's from IBM Watson, and she's a design researcher. So we wanted to ask her about her perspectives on how do you do research considering AI, what are some of the issues, and just get different perspective on it. Because, honestly, I don't know that much about it, AI.
1: Yeah, we've... Probably encountered it in different ways. We just don't know it. Yeah. Or you know, yeah. that's the scary that's part. The scary part. I'm not even here right now. <laughs> I'm just, an, I'm just an AI, just like in Blade Runner. I sent my
0: clone. <laughs> I found a story of health. We haven't done deep artificial intelligence. <laughs> Um, projects, but we we've done a f- couple projects on chatbots. So this story is about an older man. I'll call him Larry. That's not his real name. Larry had been undergoing treatment for cancer for many months. He was super chatty and funny. He seemed to be in a routine with his cancer treatment, so he didn't seem surprised or overwhelmed. Um, he told us lots of stories. He had a party boat. A party boat. He had a party boat. Did I say potty boat? No, no. no. Oh. I said a party boat. I asked oh, if it was I a thought, party boat. <laughs> I thought you said a potty boat.
1: No, I said a party boat. Like, I don't know what a party boat <laughs> is. A party boat. A yacht.
0: Um, it's got yacht rock on it. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're <really> funny, today. <laughs> we should ask Siri. <laughs> we can ask Siri to play hey, some Siri. yacht rock right now. All
1: right. Party boat. Sorry. Go ahead, Larry.
0: So he actually admitted that he didn't take that much responsibility for his health. He said he was the kind of guy who left everything up to his family and doctor. And he said, all I do is show up. And he had been given a really hard time by his family for not mentioning his side effects to his doctor or talking to his doctor about how he was feeling. But he said he really just didn't like to talk about it. And so we also interviewed his caregiver, who was his brother-in-law. I'll call him David. And David said that Larry was pretty frozen when it came to cancer, that he just shut down completely. And he would turn to them to help him with everything. And so at the time, this project was about doing research on a chatbot that could help cancer patients. And when we asked David about it, if Larry would use something like this, he was like, absolutely not. He's like, he won't even ask his doctor questions he won't he barely comes to us when he's having an issue and he didn't think he would use anything as impersonal as a chatbot however Larry when we showed him the chatbot he talked about having these dark days when he was really struggling with depression because of his cancer and what he really wanted was somebody to reach out to him and so he said if this could start the conversation and then somebody could follow up that would be meaningful for him. So in the end, what he really wanted was a real person right, on the phone.
1: Yeah. I feel like chatbot sounds so impersonal. Like, why not right. call it a almost human or something, right? I don't understand how even engineers can say this. They're like oh yeah when that human is in a dark place and they're really depressed about having cancer right we should send them a chatbot, right you know right <laughs> like, sounds ridiculous
0: well one patient even said in this research study that it felt really personal like it felt like a real person to mm-hmm. her and she said that if she knew it was a chatbot, she completely would dismiss it she's like there's no way that a robot would understand my needs right that is part of what we're going
1: to be talking about today and there is a human tendency to want to project humanness on anything right right? and so when ai comes along that's when humans get disappointed yeah until robots take over the
0: world i did some more research before this episode and actually i have to say that i'm more confused than ever about AI. It feels like it encompasses everything from algorithms to automation to robots to chatbots to machine learning. And as a layman, I have a very or laywoman, I have a really lame view of AI, you know. What do you mean I, lame? What we know from media and what we know from what's existing technologies right now that it just seems like it is a mock human being but it is it is more complex and I think that there's a lot of potential in it, especially for healthcare. Right now, I mean, it's
1: in its infancy and where we see it happening are is in things like scheduling, right? right? Or robotic surgery or scanning X-rays for you know possible issues or, or, or um, you know, tumors and things like that. Yeah well maybe we should talk to Siri. okay and um, we can ask her some of the things that she's doing in healthcare and, and what she sees happening in the future.
0: Great. Hi, Siri. Hi, Siri. We're trying to avoid saying, hey, Siri, because it triggers (laughs) Tina's phone. Yeah. I was going to try not
1: to mention anything because poor Siri must also just get it all the time.
2: Do you get a lot of jokes about that? You know, circa 2014, I got a lot more jokes about that, but... Oh, good. ...it's kind of dissipated recently.
1: What we're talking about in this episode is... AI and specifically AI in healthcare, and who better to talk about it than our friend Siri?
2: Yes, I'm Siri Bethson-Stegard. I am a design researcher at IBM Watson Health, where I work on Watson cognitive products that help clinicians make better decisions about their patient treatment options.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing with Watson and what sure. the benefits of of using kind of machine learning or AI? and not benefits and not benefits (laughs) Yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean the interesting thing is so we even call it augmented intelligence so it's to help people discover information and make better decisions and it's interesting because most ai that's in the market that consumers use is focused on an assistant so like alexa is much more of an assistant and watson we sort of have elevated him to thinking of him more as a colleague maybe more of a junior (laughs) colleague, but um, (laughs) right. it's an interesting parallel because I think um, the people that buy our products are not often the people that use our products, so while that might be very enticing to someone buying a product, someone using a product, I mean, we definitely have found that that is a friction point because it is elevating it to another level. I often get the response of like, oh, you're trying to take our jobs, and that's ultimately not the point. It's to help alleviate a lot of the burden in healthcare of you know foraging through a ton of information to find the couple key pieces that are going to help you make a decision and move forward but it is like a challenge to find that sweet spot of you know how to position this colleague in their in their workflow
1: that's interesting so at the foundation let's start there the mm. the initiative to Call Watson, your colleague. Are there pros mm-hmm. and cons to doing that?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because typically, what you find in healthcare, and I'm sure you guys know this as well, is that it's a workforce that isn't necessarily tied to technology. Like, for instance, you know, I spend most of my day in front of a computer screen. Most physicians do not because they're working with people. And ultimately, a lot of how even the physical spaces of exam rooms and clinical spaces are not really designed to support sitting in front of a screen or using a computer. Generally, they're working you know, one-on-one with a patient or a loved one and wanting to spend more face-to-face time with them and not turn their back and use a computer. So it's a little bit of a challenge to help them See, even technology as a benefit because so many pieces of software in healthcare are not designed for right. the end user and have been poorly designed, or it's normally like the last thing that they update. So, technology in healthcare is 10 years behind. So, there is a little bit of a one more thing that I have to do, not necessarily this will make my life easier. And I think in healthcare, anything that you can take away, anything you can strip away and just show. You know what is the minimum valuable piece of information that I need I mean that is really key so that's what we attempt to do is use Watson to help alleviate and strip away information and we've actually done some work to sort of say like what are the things that really make a great colleague and how should that person you know if Watson was a person how would that person work with you I think that's so
1: interesting because see where my thought process went to was Mm -hmm. if you try to project human onto Watson, Mm -hmm. then they Mm -hmm. become more of a human and human to human fear of having my job taken away seems Mm -hmm. so much more relatable than... Uh, human to computer having my job taken away. And so I would imagine that there would be some sort of fear around, it's like, you know, the millennials are coming in, they're going to take my job away kind of thing, right? We were talking a little bit about this before we called you around that a lot of people think of AI, artificial intelligence. I like how you're talking about augmented intelligence because- of this, Augie uh, intel. Right. It's <laughs> that, you know, oh God, the machines are rising, right? So I think it's really interesting that you guys would take that view of, oh, it's a colleague who's there to support you. Because I would, I don't know, and you've done obviously more, you've had more experience with this, but I would believe that the barrier of entry would be lower if you said, hey, look, it's this machine that's actually going to help you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely been an issue, you know, in full transparency. What you see in the advertisements for Watson isn't the Watson that you get out of the box. He still requires a lot of training that then you have to help, you know, and guide. And, you know, there is a lot of barriers to that, as you guys know, in healthcare, It's like, like, wait, what? So it is slightly aspirational that we're, we're saying they're a colleague, but ultimately I think that's where we're setting ourselves apart of, it can go beyond just being an assistant and having you sort of say like, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do this, but like actually taking initiative. So I think that's where we're sort of differentiating it, because I think you bring up a really good point between like, the barrier to use might be around it's a machine, not a person or replacing a person. because there is always going to be that fear of the machines are going to take our jobs.
1: Yeah. Do you find that it's easier to refer to Watson as a human? We were talking about this around oncologists or or doctors. Do you think that they find it easier to say, "Oh, well, my friend Watson's genius." He yeah. I don't know why it has to be he, but he can find (laughs) these things in the scan that I can't. So don't worry, me and my friend Watson are going to be it. Or is it just like, I've got this amazing machine. I just wonder, like, you know, on a human level, it's like, what's the, what do you think the differences are?
2: What's interesting is the thing that I've seen it used for the most, which I think was really unexpected, is that Watson is often used as a tiebreaker. Mm, So between like at a tumor board meeting, if there is opposing sides. Watson doesn't
1: like Dr. (gasps) Smith more (laughs) than Dr. Patel.
2: (laughs) Correct. Yeah. It's like an unbiased party that's going to say, here is what I think. And even like the power dynamics between a clinical trial coordinator and an oncologist. What is today is that they have to write these Summaries and really like sell, you know, sometimes the physicians on like I think you should put this patient on this trial. And what we've seen is like Watson being that
0: unbiased, yeah, third that party.
2: Of, you know, Watson found this trial for this patient, so it's not just me saying it; it's also this machine. So it kind of like breaks the tie in a lot of scenarios. Yeah, oh,
1: that's interesting. Um, when they are trying to get it to break the tie, do you think that they refer to it more as a human or more as a machine?
2: I don't know because I all I always say, and I didn't say it in this one, but I normally refer to it as a he because yeah, we have yeah. all this he, <laughs> loaded he is. language. It's yeah. crazy,
0: right? Yeah, and
2: it's also really crazy that most assistants are female. I know, right? A that the you- that's a colleague a male.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then this guy, right? It's interesting you would say yeah. that because we did a project on chatbots. We were just talking True. about it. True. One of the things that physicians told us was that you know there's self-management that has to happen on the part behavior, you know, just daily behaviors that patients need to do that doctors have a hard time convincing. Um, You need to stop smoking. You need to eat better. You need to exercise more. Mm. And they, they thought that the chat bot would be really good. And they did refer to it as a human, like, Assistant or whatever that that voice would be more accepted by patients because it was not the doctor, right? So the doctors like we're like, Third yeah, party. I think that the patients might listen mm. to this chatbot versus me right. when I tell them they don't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah.
2: The thing that I always find in healthcare is the problem with a doctor is that they're telling them. Everything all at once, mm-hmm. and I could see like a chatbot would be more like distributed information, so like giving the information when I need it right. and more accessible. I don't know the things that I've always found is it's it's not necessarily like who is giving the information, but at what time and at what point that it matters. So yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, we we're just wondering, Siri, with your experience, <laughs> where in healthcare are you seeing AI being maximized?
2: Ooh, good question. Well, we have some interesting work that's being done in Watson in terms of being able to help radiologists see images and detect information from those images. Cause I don't know if you've ever been in a radiologist's office, they're like in the dark, looking at these images, trying to detect, you know, denser areas, especially in cancer, being able to see where there might be a tumor or yeah, scan, a mass scans. Yeah, So scans. Yeah watson can actually read those at a level that a human can't always see or pick up things that might be missed by the human eye so i think that is where it starts to get really interesting especially in the medical space where there's just like so much information i mean there's just more medical knowledge being produced every day that you know a human can't actually keep up with so while we're producing all this knowledge getting it into clinical practice is difficult without something that can actually help us do that um so i think that's where it gets interesting
0: Yeah, super interesting. Nice. Well, Siri, I think that this has been
1: a really fantastic conversation.
2: Thank you so much. Okay. Have a
1: good Monday.
2: You too. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.
1: That was a great conversation. Yeah. So, you know me, I have very little room for gray in my life, right? right? Like, I like a lot of things black and white. But one of my biggest things is that artificial intelligence should be referred to as machines because they are machines. And the minute we start to project humanness right. onto AI is I feel like when we start to get in trouble because... It's
0: a slippery slope.
1: It's like ex machina, right? Right. Like, that's when Blade you runner. start to believe them. That's when you start to do all these things because that's when you think that they're I human. I
0: know. But it's going to go that way.
1: I know it is, but I just feel like how much is our responsibility yeah. to, I'm not going to say our, because I don't know if you agree with it or not, but it's like, how much of it is my responsibility to be like, Watson is a machine. I don't know what the value is right. to marketing it as a colleague. Maybe there's two types of people in the world. The types that say like, I need a colleague that's going to help me or I need a machine that's going to help right. me. But I just, in my yeah, mind... I that was a good point. Yeah, in my mind, all I can really think of is once you start to say... Siri is a girl. Alexa is a
0: woman that helps me out with whatever.
1: It's a machine.
0: I think it brings up a really, we started to touch on it, but I just want to call it out, is the biases in AI, right? Right. Like It is a machine. It can't filter out things. And unless we teach it not to be sexist and not to be racist, it's going to be. It's just, it is it it's going to fall it's what well, i think it's kind of interesting that it will fall into these trappings well the sad part the, is that
1: it's going to echo human nature right. which is well, there was, and
0: biased there was a recent article in nature magazine and the article was titled ai can be sexist and racist it's time to make it fair and i'll read a quote out of it it says when google translate converts news articles written in spanish into english phrases referring to women often become he said or he wrote software designed to warn people using nikon cameras when the person they are photographing seems to be blinking tends to interpret asians as always blinking Word embedding, a popular algorithm used to process and analyze large amounts of natural language data, characterizes European American names as pleasant and African American ones as unpleasant. Up. And so it goes on to talk about that there are these just these biases and gaps in things like image databases, right? Like kitchen items like spoons are associated with women, snowboards are associated with men, you know, and I I just think like this whole idea that Siri and Alexa are assistants and they're women and Watson is a colleague and he's a dude.
1: Yeah, because somebody programmed that translation tool. Right. And they said, oh, when you see snowboard. Yep. 85% 85% of snowboarders are men. So right. let's just do it with that. You go with the statistical nature of it. But still, I mean, that's where the human component of it is. For me, and in, in my closing of this, my conclusion is that in healthcare, AI is inevitable. And I think that there's a lot of value that can be brought into healthcare using AI. I just continue to strive to make sure that we don't lose that human component of it and make sure that we are doing things in a in a just manner and representing that and i just don't want to lose that component of it because there's already so much lost i feel like patients we hear all the time where doctors aren't being compassionate they're not being you know as helpful as they can be And I just don't think we need another excuse to not be that way.
0: Right. And what I heard you saying, too, is that, or in our discussion, is that that line should be kept clear, that the minute we start confusing the lines between human and artificial or augmented or whatever it is, a machine, that that's where we're going to start to lose some control or lose some clarity over those interactions. Right. I also think that a big takeaway for me is that our responsibilities designers, both design researchers and you know designers that make things are that when considering AI that we have to really address biases, that we have to look at inclusion, we have to look at how are these things learning? How are they being programmed? That's within definitely within the domain of what we're learning and what we're able to have an impact on. AI can help us to level the playing field. It can help us improve access. It can make tasks simpler. Um, but we—it it is really up to us. You know, Siri, the human, told us, you know, we have to make it simpler for people because it's not going to fix every problem. And I think when we just assume that it's going to be better because it's a machine that's doing it, that's when we're going to create a bigger divide. So next episode will be replaced by robots. Yeah, and we'll be talking we'll about be talk- mental health. <laughs> Speaking of nature, I heard um, something on the radio today. I want to do more investigation for next episode because they were talking about that there was a study showing that being in nature can um, improve your stress levels and improve your well-being. That's why my kids chill. I know. he only knows nature <laughs> anyway. so next episode we'll
1: be talking about mental health we'll do it we'll do it in nature we should do it in nature we should we yeah. should
0: go outside Yeah, we can broadcast outside
1: yeah we'll take the whole crew <laughs> Michael from <P. P>. Coleman <laughs> Michael from Brooklyn is already really uncomfortable he's just like wait wait wait
0: <laughs> <hold on."
1: laughs> uh, thanks for listening if you're interested in hearing more subscribe to us leave us a review yeah no podcast We're also on Instagram. Yeah, no podcast.
0: Our theme song and music uh, was written and produced and performed by Chess Smith. This episode was edited by Tori Flack and recorded at Figure Eight Studios here in Brooklyn with Michael P. Coleman.
1: Thank you. Goodbye.
2: (laughs) 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 Beep boop boop. Beep boop. (laughs)